Welcome to Vet Talk with Royal Canin, where we are going to address a wide variety of topics of interest to veterinarians and veterinary clinics. I'm Brenda Andreessen, founding partner of The Bridge Club, the first video-based community created to enable industry professionals to connect, engage, learn, and grow in just 25 minutes. Since our launch in February 2018, more than 1,400 veterinary professionals have participated in 43 of our live and virtual events. They're great conversations, and I'm really happy to partner with Royal Canin to share the knowledge and maybe a few useful tips that you can use in your practice. So let's get started. Today's episode is one of my favorite topics, the future of the veterinary profession. And with us today to talk about this are Dr. Brent Maya from Royal Canin and Dr. Chris Carpenter. So thank you very much for joining us here today for this really important conversation. So the future of the veterinary industry, I think we all believe, really begins now, each and every day. We have the responsibility to try to carry it forward into a better place. And many veterinarians knew from a very early age that veterinary medicine was something they wanted to pursue a career in. Um, we hear a lot of personal stories, right, from current veterinarians, people we work with, people who have been out of the profession, and there's some really interesting career paths and career goals that um, that we get a chance to hear. So I would love to have the two of you talk a little bit about your own personal journeys and some of the tips you've picked up along the way, and, you know, maybe a pitfall or two here, depending upon what you feel like talking about today. So um, it, it's always the easiest thing to start with is like, when did you first know you wanted to be a veterinarian and what was it that propelled you toward that path? So Chris, let's start with you. You know, I was 11 years old and um, I remember the moment uh, we were living in California. I remember going up to my mom and saying I was going to become a veterinarian. But what I've learned since then is I wasn't unique in that 65% of veterinarians made their career decision before they were 12 years old. So um, we're really a profession that's a calling and I'm, I'm no different. I really wanted to be around animals. Brent, how about you? My origin story is a little bit different. I came to this a little bit later uh, in life. I was in college, and I'd actually entered college as pre-law. And even my advisor was like, I don't think you want to be an attorney. Um, you, um, and so and I looked around at some other ideas. And I actually was attracted to veterinary medicine, not necessarily as much from, at first, the, the, the draw to animals, but more to the draw towards science. And it, it's interesting because that was my entry point. But... Right away, I just, I, I didn't know I loved it, but I loved working with the animals. And, um, you know, it, it's, the, it's the, the part that you always hear people talk about is their, their love for animals. Mine wasn't apparent, at least it wasn't apparent to me on the surface until I got into it and then it was there. So in your case especially, was there any kind of experience in veterinary medicine that you were able to have before you committed to veterinary school or did you just dive in? Well, not before I made the decision to dive in for sure, which um, was, you know, a little risky. But, you know, it was that time in college where everybody's trying to figure out what do they want to be. And, you know, um, but, it, but it turned out to be the right one because I actually went to uh, Murray State University where they have an undergraduate program at, that trains veterinary technicians. So I entered a tech program. So I have a real soft spot in my heart for technicians, actually, because I, I trained with a lot of them. And um, I, I, that was sort of part of my undergrad curriculum in addition to all of that. And so with that program, you got a lot of hands-on experience. So I, I got to get it, but not in the traditional way that, um, you know, uh, a lot of folks are getting it today. Interesting pathway. Chris, what's your story? <laughs> Mine's a little different. I had decided earlier, and, um, and, it, and that's the quandary of a future vet. I raised my hand at 11, said I wanted to be a veterinarian, and all of a sudden I'm like, 
like, how do I get experience? And I tried to volunteer everywhere. I used to, sometimes, this is terrible, I used to wish my dog would be sick, so I'd go in and see, take it to the veterinarian. <laughs> I really would. Um, but I, where it really got exciting is when I started working for a man across the street who would go to the local uh, dog shows in Southern California. And once I got around and got to almost every weekend work around those dogs, I, w- I remember saying, this is it. I am going to become a veterinarian. Uh, it was later in high school when I was able to actually, as part of high school credit, work for veterinarians. And I did it all throughout my last three years of high school. And it was just, I think everyone should do it. You learn what it's really like in a practice, but nothing, nothing kept me from saying I wasn't going to be a vet. I mean, I was just determined and everything I saw, good and bad, still made me want to do it. Didn't deter you. Not at all. Was, once you got to veterinary school, because you you very clearly got some experience that led you to feel like you kind of understood the profession. Once you got there, I hear from people sometimes it's totally different than they expect. So was that your experience? (laughs) No, I think the biggest one for me as academic is I didn't realize how smart everyone was going to be when I got (laughs) in because I was not the brightest bulb in the classroom there. And so it was very competitive, but it was the scheduling. We went from eight in the morning. We had anatomy lab from one to five and it was like a job. And I was like, wow, this is a different world than when I had an undergrad. Um, And what I really loved is when we got junior year and got to actually go hands on, do the surgeries, do the medicine case. Um, school. So what surprised me was just um, uh, just how high powered the education was. It was a lot to take in for someone like me. <laughs> uh, that, I mean, that's, that's probably a more true story than most of us really realize now, right? Because I expect, I expect that it was a little different for you because you actually, you were going to law school first, then you were in a technician environment. So did, were your expectations met or were you really surprised as well? I, this is where I had the exact same experience as Chris. I got to vet school and it was the, just the sheer volume of material that you had to cover. And I remember one of my professors saying, you guys are getting a doctorate in four years. That normally takes six years for a PhD. And although it's, it's a different type of degree, I'm not, I'm not comparing the two in that sense, but, but it, it was just this amount of material that you covered and there was no break and and some of it was really hard some of it it wasn't as much about it being hard it was just as much about it being there's a lot of it and we expect you to know it all and yet you persisted right and here you both are a couple years later down the road so i'm sure you've seen a lot of changes in your careers in veterinary medicine you both have have had some varied paths um in your careers too so let's talk a little bit about both the paths you ended up taking, but most importantly, I want to get to the topic of what do you see coming in the future? You know, we're all trying to work very hard, I think, to build a bright future for the veterinary profession, overcome some of the obstacles, uh, you know, that we've, we've been talking about in terms of pay and debt and, you know, people not bringing their veterinarian, their uh, pets to, uh, to the veterinarian, but there's a lot of good happening as well. So I've kind of given you three things to talk about. Jump into whichever one strikes your fancy first. So if I had to pick, you you asked what I see changes coming. I threw an organization I support, Vets at Go. I, I do a lot of work with the future profession. And what I see is we're getting a different generation. Um, they're called the I generation. And they, they were born in 2000 and they go from there. And they're just so computer savvy, so software savvy, and they just blend so well with all the things we're talking about, remote medicine. Um, the technological changes, I think, will only be accelerated in our profession. And it's this generation. I mean, when I get in, and I'll pick on myself, I, I, I didn't have a fraction of the volunteer hours this generation has. It's so much more competitive to get into vet school. 
this group that's going to be coming out in, I'd say, the next four to seven to eight years is just going to change us, this I generation. And no offense to millennials, but there's a new generation following them. And they are so tech savvy and so driven. And they have to be now because just to get into undergrad school is so competitive. I mean, what I've seen is the average uh, successful veterinary school applicant has 1,600 hours of volunteer experience already. I didn't have a fraction of that. So what I'm saying is there's a tech-savvy, driven group, and we should embrace them and make certain our profession is adapting to really allow them to succeed, because I think they will, f- they will flip us on our head. Really, really some interesting perspectives there. And, and Brent, I want to ask you, you know, from where you sit in the profession, with the tech savvy and the volunteerism and just the mindset of the, this new generation, how do you expect that's going to change the way day-to-day veterinary practice works? I, I think that marries up very nicely where we see things going on the technology side of the profession. And so you've got this population of, of vets and vets-to-be coming up that are very comfortable with technology. I, I mean, not only comfortable with it, they, they demand it. And then on the advancement side, you've got technologies advancing in terms of sensors and diagnostics. And, and you know, things that we used to say, okay, you know, the, the bedrock of, of every visit is is a examination which meant Putting your hands on the pet means listening, you know, um, with stethoscope. It means, you know, all of that. And, and not to say that those won't necessarily always play a part, but how they play a part may change. Because what if we can get to some similar outcomes and we do this by using, you know, uh, technology that the owner may have at home? You know, our, our, our phones can do a lot right now, and I suspect it's only going to be more. So I think this comfortability with technology is going to going to be key and then i think the other thing that jumps out at me for the future is how data plays a role and we as a profession you know we have a class on epidemiology at least when i was in school we did maybe they they still do but really unless you were going to go into that specific field you didn't you didn't learn a lot more about data i think it's going to become like a you know, a core part of being a vet in the future is you're going to have to understand data because we're going to have so much of it and how to use it. What I think that turns on, though, is our opportunity is is honestly it's back to, to the good old bedside manner, because if if we have computers that can read path slides and that can read radiographs, then we don't need to do that. In fact, it, it would be counterproductive for us to do it. But what can we bring? That's the relationship and the communications. That's a really, really interesting comment. It's totally different from where I thought you might be going with that because of the data and the need to be data savvy. Is that going to drive a different kind of person to become a veterinarian? But then you circle back around to the bedside manner, which is such a critical part of veterinary medicine that I think some veterinarians come out of school not knowing how to how to be that kind of person. So I would love both your comments on on that and how it ties into people who are making the decision to become a veterinarian, and even more so, those veterinarians already in practice and the level of importance they put upon it, you know, in their daily practice lives. Yeah, I think Brent has really hit upon it. The the next generation, the good news that I see working with these uh, tween and teen future veterinarians is what still drives them is their passion for animals. They, I mean, what I every day thank goodness for is that these future veterinarians have the same motivation that Brent and I did is that we love animals and want to help them. And that's still there. It, it's what mo- You can tell these future vets that they are going to be paid nothing and they don't care because they have been around animals and they just want that career. And that's the other thing about this generation. They're very altruistic. But I think Brent hit the other side. And yet on the flip side, they're going to have to be very 
the science they will work with is so different. There are so many databases out there and they're, it's so accessible. They're going to have to learn to work with those and learn from them. Um, but the final one is the personal side. And you know, it's still funny. I feel, still think, and you know, from my opinion, I think we're still in that point in our profession. We've got to teach that client services side. We somehow still have missed it in our curriculum. We somehow still don't select as much as we should for it. And I, and, and to Brent's point, with a colder, if you will, more technologically driven society, we're going to need veterinarians that are even more compassionate than ever before. Really good, important point. So to that point, and one question I want to be sure we have a chance to tee up here, is the advice to the families of children who are thinking about becoming veterinarians. Now, again, understanding that people listening to this particular episode are veterinarians already, it's discouraging to me when I hear some of them saying they would not recommend someone become a veterinarian because it is still such a fabulous profession. So I would love to hear your perspectives on the kind of advice you would give to someone who is thinking about it and to their families. I would start by saying um, more exposure. As Chris mentioned earlier, there, there are certainly a lot of, a lot of um, young people are getting it, but probably there's, not, there's people who aren't savvy to that, that that's what they need. So I, I would say that would be you know, tip number one to, to, to recommend to others. And then you know, Chris and I are good examples because neither of us are in practice full-time anymore. And we took a different path within veterinary medicine. And, and Brenda, something you just mentioned there is when, when you hear people say, if I had to do it over, I wouldn't do it again, or I don't recommend you do it, you know, and, and that may very well be true for them. But I would say, you know, there's a lot more you can do in veterinary medicine than maybe just kind of what everybody thinks of when they think of a veterinarian. And I didn't start vet school thinking one day I would work in nutrition. You know, I started vet school thinking I would be a small animal practitioner. And that's probably, you know, most people are on a similar path. So it's to really try to understand a little bit more about all of the different things veterinarians can do in public health, in, in large animal medicine, um, in, in working for a company like I do, in research. There's just a tremendous amount of opportunities. And, um, you know, we don't have to all be down that one path. And they're all great. Great jobs, and they and they and they work for different people. I mean, I think that's such a great point. I again took a non-traditional background, and I even went to human medicine for ten years. And I can tell you that um, we are such a respected profession w- among all the other professions. I remember working with the the top human oncologists in the country, and they looked at it upon a veterinary degree as equivalent to their medical degree. And that was such an, a rewarding experience for me. But back to where you started, what I think we should recommend to future veterinarians is get experience, get out there today. There's such an age barrier. Again, you raise your hand at 9, 10, 11, and you say, I want to be a vet, and then you stand there going, oh, no. I mean, where do I volunteer? There's so many barriers. Is Find the way to get in. And I, I wish, I'd like to say to our colleagues out there is, is to take this, you know, really reach your hand out and bring a future veterinarian in because there are, there are so, you, even if they don't become veterinarians, you are showing them, especially, and most of them are young, young girls, you're showing them that science is such a possibility for them. You let them look in a microscope and see those, those ear mites in there. You let them walk around and see what a radiograph looks like. You've exposed them to such a huge opportunity and you let their mind wander to say, wow, if not veterinary medicine, you know, maybe marine biology maybe this. And I think that's where we could do such a service. But even more, I guess more importantly, as a selfish thing for veterinarians, let's help our profession in the future. And I think every veterinarian, if they have it now, if they've considered it, should let one person come in this summer to their clinic and shadow them. I think it would be such a huge help to our profession because it's just such 
it's really the right thing to do both for our profession and really for those aspiring vets out there. So I think that's a really good point because to be able to see that optimism and that enthusiasm for the profession through those fresh eyes would be a very encouraging um, encouraging thing for someone who's even been in practice for a very long time and to be reminded. It's like therapy. I go to these veterinary camps and every time I step over there and I see mostly these young tween girls and I go, that was me. Again, you could tell them they're not going to be paid a dime and they just want to be around the animal. And you say to yourself, that's what it's about. That was what my purpose was. And I actually, Brent and I have talked about it. I, I actually wish we could do a sabbatical for every practitioner who's been out there 15 years to send them back to the camp to help out, to see what this next generation, because it, and the way they put you as a veterinarian on a pedestal, it's so rewarding to see how respected a profession we are. It's, it's, you hit upon something so, you get, you can tell passionate to me because we are such a great profession and sometimes we forget that. I think we are our own worst enemy in terms of the optimism for the future. And there is such great opportunity to, you know, to, to feel good about this profession in so many ways. I love, Brent, how you hit upon the opportunities available, you know, beyond just in practice day in and day out, but even in practice every day. Yes, it's hard. There are challenges. There are challenges in this profession, like all professions. Um, so some final words uh, to kind of encourage the people who are out there in practice today doubting themselves or who need that reassurance. Do you have a last tidbit of advice that, you know, is focused on the optimistic future that I think the three of us see in this profession? I, I would go back to to the cats and the dogs as a starting place, and I know um, I sometimes actually still practice, and my wife's a veterinarian, and um, you know I, I know I know what it feels like in the clinic. I remember, um, I, you know, I hear from her on days that that maybe aren't aren't the best days, um, and so it's not always easy to remember this. But at the end of the day, you're you're helping cats and dogs, and and that's that's no small thing. I mean, it's 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 a noble calling, but but I mean. You're helping them be healthier. You're bringing some of them back to health. By extension, you're also helping their owners. I mean, you're helping people through through helping them. And you know, as as I've progressed in my career, that has become a much more important thing to me. Now, again, I know when you know if you have a boss and they're yelling at you, or a client's yelling at you, or it's just been one of those days, it, it's not always easy to focus on that. And to be sure, you need to take the time and sort of process that that sort of thing. But just never forget the value that we're adding to the lives of both pets and people. Very important comment. I, I you know, I have to say, I just have to second that and, and remember where you came from. And um, I, I remember the days of practice. I'm, I'm not still in a clinic like Brent is. And, and I just remember there were times, especially the emotional stress sometimes when you got into the price discussions or, you know, an ill patient, you weren't doing well on a case, you weren't managing well, you weren't seeing the progress you wanted and the feel from the client, the feel like you're disappointing. I remember all of it. Um, but again, I've got to say, uh, you know, that one last plug, the thing to me that is so uh, refreshing and just brings your spirit back is remember why you did it. And if you can't, bring someone in who helps you remember. Bring that young person who wants to be you in and all of a sudden you'll see how someone else's eyes see you. Because I can tell you when I go to those vet camps and those you know, 12, 13 year olds come up to me like I'm a superhero, I'm all of a sudden, you know what? <laughs> it is a great thing that we do. It is a great profession. And I personally love it and I'm grateful every day for what it's given me. And I think every veterinarian should take a step back and and remember what they've accomplished. Because even to me, at least for me, even getting a veterinary degree was a huge thing. Very well said, both of you. And I want to thank you both for your ongoing commitment 
to this, this really important profession and for taking time today to talk a little bit about your experiences. Thank you. Thank you.